And we're talking about, if you recall, what it means to be good stewards, to be good managers of the resources that God has placed in our care. How do we do that? And we're going to uh, run across a passage, 2 Corinthians 9 today, where Paul is talking about one aspect of being a good steward, and it has to do with uh, the department of giving. And I want to give you a little background on the passage that he's talking about. Um, about a year prior to the passage that we're going to read, Paul had been in the city of Corinth. And when he had been there, he'd done what he always did in the, in, as he, on his missionary journeys. He talked to the people about Jesus. He introduced them to the Christian faith. He helped them get started and, and built a church and put leaders in place and, and got the work going there. And he did all of that. But as part of what he did on that particular trip to Corinth, he also let the people in Corinth know about a particular need, that the Lord's people elsewhere in the world were under persecution we're under suffering, or we're going through a really difficult, difficult time. Most of the scholars and teachers will tell you that, that it's probably related to what was happening in Jerusalem around 70 AD, when, uh, when Rome had come in and conquered Jerusalem, and kind of where Christians and, and Jews alike were just fleeing from the city of Jerusalem. So many people homeless, many people know where to go, lives destroyed right in the middle of all that. And so Paul, aware of all that back in Jerusalem, says to those in Corinth, he says, God's people are suffering they're hurting, and I'm asking you to prepare a gift of support. He received. He told them about an offering he was receiving, very much, I think, like our, um, our Be Rich offerings or our Love Your Neighbor offerings that we've done for needs in the, in the community. And he had done that roughly a year prior. And now he's writing to them after the fact. He said, hey, a year ago, um, this is not the only thing he talks about in the letter, but at this portion of the letter, he says, you know, a year ago, I told you about the need in Jerusalem, and your hearts responded. And you said, we want to help. And you were generous in your promises to help step up and provide for the needs of others. Well, I just want to let you know that I'm on my way, and I'm going to come to collect. I've, I've talked to you up amongst all the other churches and talked about how generous and responsive you are, and now I'm coming to actually receive the offering to take back to those who are in need of it. And so the kind of, the very specific kind of generosity and giving that Paul is talking about in this particular passage really isn't about like kind of like regular committed giving to a church or regular planned giving towards a nonprofit organization. It's actually kind of a one-time offering for a specific need. That's the specifics. But don't be confused. We can glean some principles about giving and about generosity from this passage that apply across the board to all kinds of giving. Giving here at the church on a regular basis, like the offering we just received. Um, giving and meeting the needs of, of a family in your neighborhood that maybe is suffering through a disease or an illness or a loss. Giving to different organizations that do great work in the community. We can glean principles from this passage in 2 Corinthians that apply across the board. And so uh, in the previous verses, Paul had simply mentioned, yes, um, I'm going to be coming and collecting on the promise that you made before. And then he says this. He says, remember this, with regard to the giving, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. 
And then he goes on to quote a psalm, and he says, As it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. That's a long passage, and there's a lot there, and we're going to kind of work our way through it this morning. But he starts off with this idea of sowing and reaping, right? It's an agricultural image. Like a farmer, he sows, he puts seeds into the ground, he lets go of them and puts them to work, puts them at risk, and then at the end of the season, there's a harvest that comes out of that. That the act of giving and letting go of the seed is what actually produces the harvest at the end of the season. And Paul just simply makes the point that the, the harvest, what you get out of that, is proportional to the generosity that you put into that. And that's his image for giving. Um, we'll get back to that image a little bit more, but there are a number of things that we can learn in this passage. Paul is commending the Corinthians for their readiness to give generously, to sow generously into this need, and in also to reap a large harvest as well. But we can see in this passage a number of reasons, or a number of ways that we ought to give. Paul commends them. And the first is this. This passage suggests that we should give decisively. That our giving shouldn't just be kind of random or... Um, kind of on the spur of the moment necessary or without thought and consideration, but it should be a decision that we make prayerfully, reflectively. He says, look, a year ago, I put the need in front of you, and you've had time to think, and you've had time to pray, and I asked you at the time to consider what you give. Now the time has come. Let each one give what you have decided in your hearts to give. He's talking about a predecided, intentional giving that's the result of prayer, it's the result of reflection, conversation, consideration. It's, it's the end of a process of discerning what does God want me to do. It's what comes at the end of the conversation where you say, God, with regard to my giving, what do you want me to do? Imagine that you owned a business. And your business had a marketing Manager, a marketing director whose job was to get the good word about your business, your company, out there to the people. He was empowered to spend money to obtain marketing that moved your company forward. And what would happen if you, as the owner of the business, went to your uh, marketing manager, your marketing director, and said, hey, so what's the plan with how we're doing our marketing? And he said, well, every so often when I feel pretty good about a, something, I'll throw a few dollars at the marketing. Your marketing manager would not be a marketing manager for very long, right? Because a few dollars thrown here, there on a whim because I had a sudden feeling of something or other doesn't produce a high impact marketing plan. A high impact marketing plan that makes a difference and moves your brand forward is the result of some thought and some consideration and some strategy and some reflection and it results in a decision of this is how we're going to do it and then you play it out and watch it work its magic and suddenly your brand is moving forward. There's a large harvest that comes along because you've sown into that process so well. And we fall into the trap, I think, to think that somehow our life as, as Christians, as givers, 
is different than that. It's really easy for us to feel like, oh, well, where giving's concerned, I gotta wait till something comes along or I feel particularly moved or, or here's kind of a nice thing and I just kind of throw some random money at it and hope for the best. And that's just a very different process than saying, God, I want to make an impact. You've entrusted me with some financial resource. I want to direct it so that it makes an incredible impact for the kingdom of God one way or the other. How does that happen? With the result of prayer and consideration and some strategy and thinking that leads to a point of decision that says, this is what I'm going to do. I believe this is how God's calling me to live a life of generous giving in these directions and in these places and in these amounts. And then there's living that out and it creates this movement forward in the kingdom of God, which is super high impact, which doesn't happen if we're just kind of responding uh, in an ad hoc manner just because we feel some way on a particular day. With this, I mean, so a lot of people at this point ask the question, there's a conversation about, well, how much is the right amount to give? What, what, what should we land at? And there's conversations about tithing. You know, tithing is literally 10%. It's a, it's a very biblical model of taking 10% of the revenue God blesses you with and saying, I want to direct that to the places God's calling me to direct it. Fantastic model. Um, other people say, no, we're not bound by a law or a rule that it has to be 10%. And I'm really not into like turning in my W-2 at the end of the year and having the church figure out how to move the decimal. That's not a whole lot of fun either, right? Here, here's what I simply want to say. Please do not get caught up in a conversation about whether you believe tithing a literal 10% is a mandate, a law, a rule that you have to follow. I'm going to ask you to do this. I, I believe it's a, it is a biblical practice, which is great, and God blesses it. But let me simply say this. If every one of us, and by us, I don't just mean the people in this room or the people in this church or the people in Spokane or in America, but I mean the body of Christ. If the body of Christ around the world got serious about saying, instead of asking what's the rule, and said simply, God, what do you want me to do with the resource, with the money that you've entrusted to my care? I'll do whatever you say. You just let me know what that is. I'm telling you, if we would all pray that prayer and mean it, and then live out an, an, uh, an enthusiastic yes to whatever God says, we'd never have to have another conversation about 10% or 5% or any particular marker, because it would all be getting done. Let me, let me just move to the personal application then, which is with that process, with decisive giving. Have, have you wrestled to the ground and come to a point of decision God, where giving is concerned, where the giving portion of my budget is concerned, what do you want me to do? As an aside, by the way, I want to say this. The giving portion of your budget is not the only portion of your budget you should be doing that with. God doesn't just care about what you're doing with the giving portion of your budget. We should be consulting God in the same way, right, about God. Um, where is it that you want me to live? At what um, you know, what kind of vehicle would you like me to drive? Lord, how comfortable are you with how much I spend on X or Y or Z? God, where would you like to me to be directing the resources that you've entrusted me? Where do you want me to be investing for the future? What needs to be available to help with others? It's not just the giving portion of our budget that God says, I'd like to have a say in. God wants to have a say in our whole life and in the whole of the way we live our financial life as well. And so, yes, today we're talking about the giving portion, but I just want to put it out there. 
Those who would follow Jesus and say, I belong to you, should be in the business of saying, God, every, every category of my budget is at your disposal. I'd like to wrestle through the difficult conversations of God. What is your plan for that portion of the budget? We need to do that. By the way, if you're like, well, that sounds like a really cool idea, but I just have no way to get there from here to there. Or I don't even know what you're talking about or where to begin on all of that. Can I just say that the Financial Peace University class that's beginning on February 5th is exactly that. For those who, who are saying, I want to say yes to God's financial direction for my life, but I just don't know how to get started or where to go, this is it. Practices on budgeting, practices on saving, practices for getting out of debt, practices for giving regularly, practices for making your financial life an honest, authentic expression of your love for God. That's what that class is about. And so if you need any kind of help in that area at all, I strongly encourage you uh, register for financial peace and go through that. It's excellent. So Paul recognizes that the Corinthian church, they've, they've made their decisions. So they're giving as a decision. They're giving decisively. But they're also giving, and I think this is important, that we need to know that we should give not just decisively but missionally. And by missionally, I just mean with a point, with a purpose, to have a mission and an objective. Why am I giving? What's this going Towards. See, Paul put the opportunity in front of the Corinthians. There are these people over in Jerusalem. They're struggling. They've been displaced. They've been kicked out of their homes. They're under persecution. They need help. And they said, that's something I can get on board with. I want to be a part of representing God's kingdom that way by helping people in that kind of need. They had a point and a purpose and a mission for their giving. They understood, like we need to understand, that when we give, we need to know what we're giving to. What is it that this group would uh, intends to accomplish? And how effective are they? Do, they? do they actually get done what they're trying to accomplish? And how accountable are they? Is there any way to measure? Can they demonstrate that they've been faithful with the funds along the way? Which is why when we do things like the Be Rich offering or the Love Your Neighbor offering that we've done over the last couple of years, we work with partner ministries that we know personally, that we have a sense of we know exactly what they're about and we resonate with it. We see that when they're doing their work, they do a great job and they extend God's kingdom in that area. And they, they're able to provide an accountability for what they do with the funds they receive that we go, yeah, we can live with that. We can support that. We can be a part of it. You know, if you've been at North Church for any length of time now, you've probably heard something about our mission. You're probably, if you've been here a while, you're aware that our goal is not for you to become a super mature, wonderfully comfortable Christian who gets to, uh, who gets to experience a really nice worship set and a fabulous sermon every weekend for the rest of your life. Now, we want those things to happen, but that's not our goal for you at all, right? You know if you've been here that our sense of mission is that over time we all become people who, yes, participate in a life of a church here, but then from here we get launched out into the world to make a difference for the kingdom of God, to love those who are difficult to love, to care for those who can't care for themselves, to bring healing where there's sickness, to bring an invitation to know Jesus to those who are far from God. Our purpose, our mission is, is not really about what takes place in the room when we're together. It's about what happens when we go out from here and we want to change the world day in and day out, right? That's what we're about. And if there's some part of you that resonates with that, that said, yeah, that's what God's people should be doing all the time, then, then you've embraced that mission. You've embraced that sense of who we are and where we're going, and that's a great thing. And so if you resonate with that sense of mission, that purpose, that goal, then one of the things God will be calling you to do over time is to invest in that. And that means investing your time, 
and your energy and your curiosity and your ideas and your participation and, and yes, your money also, all as expressions of, I believe in this thing. I believe in this thing. As a point of information, you know, I talk about, we talk about giving missionally is in part being aware of the accountability. I want to just take the moment to answer the question that sometimes comes up. Hey, where does the money go? Every week there's an offering and there's, you know, and, and everything. Where does the money go? How does it get distributed? And so we've got this graph. If you've been here before, you've seen it. If this is new, that's okay. And by the way, if you don't care about this, that's okay. Tune out for the next 35 seconds. I'll be back to you in just a moment. But a lot of people kind of want to know, hey, as I give regularly, what am I giving towards? And so this is kind of where the money goes within North Church, at least in our current budget. Roughly a quarter of it goes to just the facilities, uh, you know, the, the mortgage that we have here, the lights, what it costs to run a place like this. About 20% goes to next generation ministries. That's from infants kind of all the way up through the college students that way. What we do here on Sundays is only 18% of, of what goes on there. There's 12.3% of our budget that just goes out the door, right through us to somebody else and other ministries and things that are taking place. Then there's some communications and admin stuff that happens that way. There's some adult discipleship, some leaders, staff development, and everything else. That's just for your information so that you know that that's where it goes. Now, those of you that I, I gave permission to stop listening, you need to come back now. <laughs> Thank you for that. Some of you are like, I love that kind of stuff. I want to know the details behind that. I want to see the spreadsheets. I want to know the numbers. I'm fascinated by that kind of stuff. If that's you, I would love to talk to you. It's kind of, that's one of the things I do at the church. So if you have questions, they go on a deeper level, uh, call the church, ask them for me, Scott, and, uh, and we'll set up a conversation that will include both a lot of numbers and spreadsheets and a lot of coffee, and we will have a great time. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's important that you know what's the mission of a place that you're given to, and are they being efficient and effective with it, and are they being transparent and accountable with it? Otherwise, it's just like you may as well take a stack of $20 bills and throw them up in the wind and say, I hope those get somewhere good. I hope some good work happens with all of that. Right? But I think God calls us to be more effective and have better impact and a, a greater harvest on the resources that we sow uh, with his money. Okay, so we gotta, we're supposed to give, we see, decisively. And we should, um, we should give missionally as well, right? And then there's this one. We need to give actually. See, there's a big difference, right, be, between believing in giving and generosity and acknowledging that giving is a great idea and I should be a part of it, and then actually doing it when the time comes. And this is where Paul is, like, he's the best. He's the iron fist in the velvet glove. Right? So he says this about the giving. He says, don't give reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Don't feel pressure. Don't feel your arm twisted, but just be cheerful. Right? That feels good. It feels warm and fuzzy and velvety. But inside that velvet glove is Paul's iron fist. Because earlier he says this. He says, but I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you'd be. I've boasted about you. I've told the other churches how generous you are. And you wouldn't want to be embarrassed, and I wouldn't want to be embarrassed for you, and I'm sending the brothers. <laughs> you know, Corinth is not very far from Sicily. This is the first, the first recorded reference to the Godfather 
in Western civilization is right here. Guido and Ramon are on their way. Don't make them hurt you. It's one thing to have said you're going to give, but there's going to come a time to act on that. And so we want to, we want to do more than talk a good game. And we want to do more than believe a good game. We want to act well. And so I, uh, the, the personal application on this is really easy. Some of you have had those conversations with the Lord and one another and said, want to really work out what it is that we feel like God wants us to do in the giving department. And those are great conversations. But has that process stalled out for you? Have you stalled out somewhere between deciding and acting? And it's, it's time, there comes a time to say, we want to do more than, uh, than think and talk about giving. But it, the time comes to actually do that. It's time to give actually. Um, it's probably worth you all knowing that one of the expectations we have of those who have leadership positions as the church is that they give to the church on a regular basis. You know how we do that? It's because we're horribly manipulative and control-oriented. It's because we're really worried about money and want to control people and get just eat the last dime out of everybody that we can. No, that is not why we do that. The reason we do it is this. We want those who would lead in this place to be all in about the mission of the church in a way that's demonstrable in our giving. Because here's the thing. Leaders, you, you can't lead someone where you're unwilling to go yourself. And so our leaders lead in that regard. It's not just in that regard. We've got lots of expectations of our leaders. We have some expectations of, of all of our leaders about some specific uh, areas of moral life and behavior and conduct. Because our leaders get lots of opportunity to talk with different people in the church, to talk about how God calls us to live and encouraging us to live in holiness and to live uprightly and walk in purity, right? And you can't lead people where you're unwilling to go. And so we have those expectations as well. So we, we want to give, um, we want to give decisively. We want to give missionally. We want to give actually. And then we want to give generously, of course. And this is kind of the whole point of the, uh, of the sowing and reaping image. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. When we do good things, right, um, or when we give to good works, good things happen. And the more we give of ourselves and our resources and of God's resources, the more good things happen. We'll have more on that in just a moment, okay? But I just want to close with the one that Paul does. He also says, give cheerfully, Right? We should give cheerfully, as we said, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. But here's the thing. Have you ever wrestled to give cheerfully? I know I have. Have you had those moments where you go, I know I'm supposed to give, and I'm supposed to be cheerful about it. <laughs> and I find myself, as, as the check is leaving my hand and going into the plate, just trying to work up some cheerfulness. And it's nowhere to be found. And there's like this technicality. Well, I'm not cheerful. Maybe I should just grab the check back and run with it, right? Here's the thing. If you'll commit to giving decisively and with a point towards a particular mission that you believe in and to doing it actually and to doing it generously, do you know what inevitably happens? You're going to be cheerful about it because you're participating in something that means a lot to you and it's moving that forward. I guarantee if we give all those other ways, we'll never have to wrestle with giving cheerfully ever again. So then, what happens when we give? Those are all the different ways we're supposed to give, and we can enact that, right? And back to the image of sowing and reaping. So 
We can give in all of those ways, and, then, and that's the sowing. What's the reaping? What's the result of us being giving people that's going to be multiplied? The more we sow generously, the more of what will happen? Well, here's the thing. The act of giving does a number of things, and the first is this. It accomplishes good, and it blesses the recipient. Paul writes and says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you'll need, you will abound in every good work. That is, when we sow generously, when we give generously, more and more good things happen. More people are, can be discipled at the church. More kids can get up to winter camp and have their life changed. More hungry can be fed. More sick can be cared for, right? And on and on and on. There's just the, the basic good that our giving does is multiplied as we do that generously. Second, the act of giving releases our death grip on what we think of as our own possessions. Right? We've got our possessions, our things, our money, our time, whatever it may be, and it's mine. Two words you don't have to teach a toddler. No and mine. And you can teach a toddler to get rid of no, but most of us adults have never gotten rid of mine. And when we purpose to give in a biblical way, one of the things that it does is it takes that grip on mine and maybe one finger at a time loosens the grip and then I find the more that I give, the more I'm able to give. And the more I give, the less tension I have in the grip I hold myself. And pretty soon I find that, that my arms are open and I'm just this channel of whatever God blesses me with is a blessing to others as well. The act of giving also redirects our focus towards, ever, towards others, right? So, so much of our financial life is worrying about how is this going to impact me? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to have enough? What's my style of life going to be? What's my, what are my needs? Me, 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 me. Giving actually is the one thing that wrenches my focus away from me and the selfishness and the self-centeredness and says, no, there are others out there. There are others out there that God's calling me to know and to love and to care for and to provide for as well. So it does that also. The act of giving reaffirms our ultimate trust in God. I think we've probably all had that experience at one point or another of going, God, I know you want me to give this, but man, I got a lot of uses for this. And if I give this to that, Am I still going to be okay? And the act of giving is where we go, yeah, God, I trust you. I'm going to be okay. And then finally, the act of giving enlists God's participation in providing for our material needs and increasing our resources so we can give more. When we give, it enlists God in the activity of meeting our basic needs. And I don't know about you, I want God involved in the meeting of my basic needs. But also, he says, that in increasing our resources so that we can give more. This is the passage Paul writes. He says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply, that's the needs, and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And if you stop there, you might be tempted to think this. Awesome. God wants me to increase and to be rich. And all I got to do to be rich is to give more. Then God has to honor his promise on a technicality. And then I'm on the gravy train for the rest of my life. The next verse is really, really important. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. When we give generously, 
God, that does enlist God in meeting our needs and increasing our supply. Not for the sake of our own comfort, not for the sake of our own wealth, but for the sake of our ability to continue sowing generously to meet the needs of others so that God can be thanked. And that's the close. The act of giving brings thanks to God. Paul writes that through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. When we give, people thank God. So how do you close a message like this? It's clear. You bring the ushers in and you do another offering, right? Make people feel super uncomfortable. No, we're not, we're not going to do that. What I want to ask you to do is to engage the conversation between you and God about what's he saying about your giving. You're giving here at the church. You're giving in the community. You're giving of your time broadly. Engage the conversation of where is God in, in your life of giving. And commit in your heart in advance a, a predetermined yes to wherever he leads. I was, um, I was blessed a couple of weeks ago. Someone came up to me and said, hey, this feels kind of weird and it's super awkward, but I was just in the back and I really felt like God wanted me to give you this. And he reached out and slipped some money into my hand. And in quick order, I had three responses. The first one was, sweet! <laughs> that was brief, mercifully brief. The, the next one was, oh no, like, thank you, but I don't want us to have like a financial relationship. I just want it to be a regular relationship, right? And then... Beyond that, the Lord showed me not just some money, but a heart that had predetermined whatever God asks me to do with what's in my wallet today, I'm going to do even if it seems a little weird. And I got to tell you, I had to celebrate that, to celebrate someone who had a predetermined yes in their heart and did what God said. And no, I'm not fishing for more such contributions. That's not the point of this message. But I will tell you this, that I, I took uh, my wife out, we had, a, we had dinner and had a wonderful evening, and we gave thanks to God that resulted from the act, a simple act of obedience from someone who had already said yes to whatever God was going to say about money. Man, I wish, we could, I wish we could repeat that over and over and over and over again. People who are actively asking God, what do you want me to do with this? Because I've already said yes, and then I'm just going to go do it. That applies here in giving at the church. That applies at school, at work, wherever you find the needs, saying yes to the way God's directing you. And so that's what I want to pray about as we finish this morning. Heavenly Father, in this series, we've talked an awful lot about becoming better stewards, better managers of the things that you entrust to us. So God, we want to become better managers of the gospel, of the story of everything you've done for us, and we want to be able to share that with others. God, we want to become better stewards of your mercy and your grace and your love so that even as we experience them, we can share them with others. And God, we want to become better stewards of the resources that you've entrusted to our care. And so God, would you, we're asking would you speak to us as individuals, as couples, as families? Would, would you speak to us about what that next step of becoming a better steward and a better manager is, where our giving is concerned, where our financial life is concerned? 
God, we're committed in our heart to be people who across the board have a pre-committed yes to whatever it is that you would say. So God, would you speak clearly and then give us the courage it takes to walk that out. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, normally we do our first connect over here on this side of the auditorium. Uh, we're not going to be doing that this morning. So if you're, if you're new and looking to get connected, um, I will be in the lobby. I'd be glad to talk with you. Or next week we'll do kind of a formal meeting over there. If you need someone to pray with you, you would like someone to pray with you, uh, we'll have some folks over here that can do that. Uh, God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend.